We're excited to announce that our very own podcasting platform, Zencaster, has become a new sponsor to the show. Check out the podcast discount link in our show notes and stay tuned for why we love using Zen for the podcast. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. You're listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. Hello out there in uh, archaeology podcast land. This is Dr. Alan Garfinkel. I'm the president and founder of the California Rock Art Foundation. And what we do is we identify, evaluate, manage and conserve rock art both in Alta, California and in Baja, California. We conduct field trips, we have trainings, exercise, we do research, and in every way possible, we try to preserve, protect, and coordinate treasures of Alta and Baja California rock art, of which there are many and diverse. We also work closely with Native Americans and uh, partner with them to recognize and protect sacred sites. So for more info about the fabulous California Rock Art Foundation, you can go to carockart.org. Also, I'm, I'm open to give me a call, 805-312-2261. We would uh, welcome sponsorship or underwriting, uh, helping us to defray the costs of our podcasts, and also membership in California Rock Art Foundation. And of course, donations, since we are a 501c3 nonprofit scientific and educational corporation. God bless everyone out there in podcast land. You're listening to the Rock Art Podcast with Dr. Alan Garfinkel, a podcast about all things rock art. Send us your suggestions. Hello and welcome to the Rock Art Podcast. This is your host, Dr. Alan Garfinkel. This is episode 19. And on today's Rock Art Podcast, we're going to be featuring... Our guest scholar, who is L. Frank Manriquez, and she is an internationally renowned artist, a native California indigenous uh, Indian, and uh, we'll be interviewing her and talking about some of the uh, ways in which she sees the world as an artist. Well, hello out there in podcast land. This is your host, Dr. Alan Garfinkel, president of the California Rock Art Foundation, and this is your Rock Art Podcast. We're on episode 19, and I'm so thankful for uh, all you folks out there in podcast land tuning in. We are going to have a real treat, a remarkable escapade today. A woman who's an internationally renowned artist going by the name of El Frank or El Frank Manriquez is a Tongva Ahashiman artist, writer, and tribal activist. She has, in fact, been uh, working in a variety of different ways to uh, help Native people throughout the globe. She's been featured in galleries and museums nationally and internationally. She's the co-founder of the Advocates for Indigenous California Language Survival. She serves on the board of the Cultural Conservancy and the California Indian Basket Weavers Association. And with that, I'll introduce El Frank. Are you there? Yes, uh, I am here. I was just thinking how I'm no longer on two of those boards. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, yeah, I should have I should have noted that earlier, <laughs> but I still do that kind of work. Yes, you're still in that particular realm. Yeah. So, 
I know how we kick this off usually, but with you, it's going to be a bit different. You're such a varied and multi-talented and multifaceted person. I think I'm just going to ask you to um, share a bit about your background and uh, kind of talk about uh, where you were, where you are, and where you're headed in terms of your uh, passions. How's that? Uh, that's not too huge. <laughs> uh, sure. Natuanyane L. Frank. Nonne tongvet kukavet kukamovet koi raramuri koi ahashmem. So I'm Tongva from the village of of Kukamugna, which is now Rancho Kukamanga, down at the foothills of Mont Baldi in the LA Basin. My peeps moved to the ocean. My other tribe is Ahashmem, and we're from the San Juan Capistrano area. Yeah, we're extinct, so mostly my work revolves around finding the places where we are not extinct. That includes Amen. looking at just about everything, because to be to be viable, you have to to be a, an entire culture. You have to pay attention to a lot of things. So again, we're talking about Native California Indians and what they have to do to face sort of this esoteric and exotic world of Euro-Americans and maintain their Native American indigenous identification and uh, try to resurrect and revitalize a culture which has uh, in some ways been dramatically impacted or I don't know if if destroyed is the right word, but it has been uh, tremendously impacted and is in the midst of a revitalization. Am I correct in that characterization, Al Frank? Um, well, the revitalization started the minute the destruction, the minute my other relatives <laughs> got off the boat with Sebastian Portola. The exactly. revitalization began then and it continues and it's gone through, you know, many generations. Yeah, it's because we are and we do identify as native with no rhyme or reason if you're a native from the LA basin. You know, if you come from out in the countryside, it's easier to discern, uh, you know, what and who you are. But when your homeland is downtown LA or San Juan Capistrano or, you know, someplace city, citified, it's harder to figure things out. And it takes a little bit longer. But we have been very successful in in most realms, as in language, there are speakers. Uh, sure, we're not running around being fluent, but we can run around and tell you off, you know, because we've learned those phrases. You know, we've got enough language now to have it really mean something. And our basketry, even if we come from L.A., we're still collecting materials. And we ha found other natives who know how to harvest and process our materials a Scottish woman showed me how to do mine because she makes Scottish baskets. And so we find ways to to exist and, and to, we are no longer really extinct. We never really thought we were. I just say that because that's what the government says. But we're living the culture best that we can. So we're, we're in a mode of trying to accommodate. Here we are in 2020. And how does a native from the LA basin or San Juan Capistrano, a Hashiman and uh, the other Tongva and the other elements. How do you work on being identified as a native person and also dealing with or preserving or protecting or somehow connecting with the land given uh, it is a, such a transformed environment? Yeah, 
I don't work hard to identify just because I am. And the way that that came about, even though my family was so proud that we're all from Spain, except for that big part, we're from the mountains of Mexico called, you know, Uraramuris up there in Chihuahua, ex- except for that part where they're from Spain. So I always just was, and that was irritating and still does irritate that I just knew, but I knew because before I was born, I traveled around this world looking for a place to be born with another native who was born as a Diné up in Canada. And so I received instructions before I was born as to who I was and what my job was. So me personally, I didn't, I just was ill-fitting. I'm old enough to where when we moved to Palos Verdes, there was enough open land and near the village of Chawigna, I went to school. So I was in my homeland most of my life up between that and Venice. And so like when I was a child, four years old, five years old, I used to lay in this field and people would talk to me, people under the ground. Turns out that there were 600 people buried there, 400 of them were women, my tribe, and they were talking to me. That's always made me <laughs> rather awkward with everything else, but I really don't care. But it's, it's what makes me or wills me to continue finding the pieces of our puzzle because I've heard about them from the people themselves, our ancestors. So you've had this supernatural experience. You've had a connection okay. to your ancestors. And then you must have had at some point a calling to the arts or the art world or something along those lines, correct? Well, I discovered that what led to like stone carving which I knew nothing about carving anything. I was in a museum because I'm a real museum geek. I was in San Bernardino and I saw a bowl and a, an effigy of a swordfish. And it said that the Gabrielino Indians made these. And I thought, well, hell we don't. Somebody better. <laughs> so I, pretty much exactly those words. And I, um, only I think it was spelled with an F, but uh, I <laughs> gathered, I think I opened the junk drawer that, everyone has. And mine had a, a, a kind of a pocket knife and a file with four different bits to the, you know, four different sides to this file. And I made the first little whale and um, then I made a small bowl. Then I started dreaming about these and I made the first large cooking pot in 200 years. But I was the artist in residence with the Haida Gwaii Indians at, at the Headlands in San Francisco. Well, Sausalito, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so they helped me figure out some stuff, but I had been always around art because as a, well, autistic, dyslexic, all these other things, art is what called to me. And by the time my people called to me, I was able to start making and doing things that related to that. So that's, it always, I always had the direction. So you began in, in sort of sculpting in some ways Using was it soapstone or was it other kinds of steatite? Well? Yes, mm-hmm. steatite. Uh, no, steatite because it's what our people use for cooking, for steatite canoe effigies that canoe owners would have, for steatite animals, for praying for food. You know that'll come along and you can catch it. Steatite for pipes and steatite for amulets. You can actually the you know the the people coming across in those covered wagons, they used to make big blocks of steatite, heat them up and then put them on the beds of their covered wagons where they put their feet so that they would stay warm. 
So it wow. retains heat. Yeah, we used to cook with these bowls. We also made pottery, but we really cooked with these bowls because you could not burn food in them. And so they could sit in the fire all day, you know, and and, and the coal and the uh, embers, I mean, and keep your food warm. So you worked in that platform using steatite. Now, I, I understand that steatite could be quarried uh, on the mainland. as Was it on the islands as well or just on the mainland? Well, I had, I still have not been able to, I want to make a bowl on Pimu, that's Catalina. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because out near the airport there, there's a a wall and you can see partial bowls. You go out there and you take away everything that is not a bowl and you use the living rock as a vice to hold it. Then when you've got it pretty well shaped, then you take it off the living wall and excavate that bowl. And I just want to do that, but. They call it destruction. I just call it continuation. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 my artistic thing I should have mentioned was I started shooting because I never spoke to anybody because I always spoke to all these ghosts and ancestors all around me. I started uh-huh. taking photographs. So at about ah. nine years old. So that led me down this other road. Yeah. So you began with photography, you worked into sculpture with steatite. Um, when did you uh, begin to study language? Oh, well. Na- native languages. Yeah, I had always, it's hard for me to say that. Well, as I said, when I traveled the earth, when I was in utero, um, I everybody talked to me in language. And when I was I born, see. nobody talked to me in language. And so it left me wondering. And when I'd ask questions, they'd say, no, we're Spanish, not Indian. Now go to your room. We're going to Disneyland. So I'd go to my room and read a book. And then uh, I'd ask more questions. And I was always being sent away. And I was called the dirty little Indian, because, even though this is my family. <laughs> we're all the same uh-huh. blood, but oh, well. Because, well, for all the reasons, they had to be Spanish, you know, only Spanish. But they never gave me any answers because the Radamuri side, they didn't know much about. It turns out that's pretty uh-huh. rich history. Pancho Villa killed my uh, great-grandmother. Um, anyway, uh, but on the California side, my California family lived about four miles away, but they didn't communicate. And so that's where, that's the family that I should have been with because they had all the f- they had all the answers as to I what I was hearing and what was happening to me. So you began to connect with your native roots at a, at I would presume a rather early age. And then before I was born, out, before you were born mm-hmm. and you heard the ancestors, mm-hmm. then how did you uh, come to be, let's say, linguistically talented or conversant at the level that you are today? Oh, I'm not very conversant. I'm way too whatever. Yeah. Uh, I sing I sing mostly with the languages. Well, okay. I started, first I had to find the name of the tribe I belonged to because, you know, and families, how they are, they don't ever want to mention that person's name again. So it took me a while to find my exact tribes. And once I did, I started looking for that material and there was no material. So I started going to the basements of like the Berkeley, the uh, Lowy Hearst Museum and mm-hmm. uh, just any museum that I could all over and coming across language and the gold mine of language because I had heard it. So I knew it existed has somewhere. Mm-hmm. I came upon a book called Chinichnich and it was put uh. together by Father Boscana, 
who was mm-hmm. a priest from Spain, who called us uh, like dirty little rabbit eaters or dog eaters or something. But he recorded uh-huh. he recorded everything. It was a, it's an ethnological wonder because he recorded our ways rather than just rescinding back to Spain. Oh, we have 40 barrels of tallow and, you know, four Indians are now Christians, that kind of stuff. He exceeded that and he wrote kind of a manual for a subsequent, for priests who would come behind him. But in doing so, he, J. Peabody Harrington, most crazy scientist on the planet, he came along and annotated that writing. And I found that because I was down at Malky at the museum there, and, and um, Catherine Sobel had had that book printed. Oh, my word. So that made the connection. First, you had Chinichnich from mm-hmm. Buscana. Then you had mm-hmm. the John Peabody Harrington version that mm-hmm. gave you a little glimmer, and then you oh, went to Malky. Yeah. Yeah, well, the, the Harrington, the annotations are, uh, they're exceedingly thick. It took me years to understand, you know, there was there's this little, I guess it's called a couplet, but the trees are standing, the trees are standing, that's so what, the trees are standing, you know, and, and I had to decolonize my brain and really put it in a different worldview, a different context. And then one day I realized, oh, this is really important. This has to do when death came into the world and people uh, morphed into these things, you know, so. I still carry that. That book has been to Europe more times than, than my friends know. Wow. They've been. I take that with me everywhere. So, so in that way, there was a cosmological nexus between you and even the ethnologists and the Catholic fathers from so many years ago. Connect right, right to your roots. Yeah. I, I had several connections that were, I call amusing <laughs> with yes. priests from Spain. Right. I've been treated like a neophyte, you know, I had just run away and been caught again. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I have adventures with Catholics. No, no kidding. Of course. <laughs> but sort of uh, moving into this next segment in the next minute or so, where should we go from here? We've got at least the beginnings of your, of your story. And where do we go next? What's the sort of the next piece of the puzzle? I guess to talk about your artwork, the language, and in fact, the um, work you're doing with watercrafts, I would presume, and that how that all relates back to some of the uh, these crazy archaeologists or the anthropology of the dead. Isn't that correct? <laughs> yes, <laughs> quite. Yes, all those and yeah. more. See you on the flip-flop. Chris Webster here for the Archaeology Podcast Network. We strive for high-quality interviews and content so you can find information on any topic in archaeology from around the world. One way we do that is by recording interviews with our hosts and guests located in many parts of the world all at once. We do that through the use of Zencaster. That's Z-E-N-C-A-S-T-R. Zencaster allows us to record high-quality audio with no stress on the guest. Just send them a link to click on, and that's it. Zencaster does the rest. They even do automatic transcriptions. Check out the link in the show notes for 30% off your first three months or go to zencastr.com and use the code rockart. Before Shopify, were you wondering where are my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. 
Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Welcome back, all you friends of the Rock Art Podcast in Archeo Podcast land. This is your host, Dr. Alan Garfinkel, and we are blessed to have a remarkable woman with us, Al Frank Manriquez internationally renowned artist and also a remarkable person talking about native California and all things native Californian, what it's like to be an indigenous person, a native American and some of the highs, some of the lows and how that relates to art, history, prehistory, anthropology, archeology, span and all things that we uh, all are interested in. Al Frank, I said we were going to have a surprise and I'd like to uh, have you Share with us that surprise, if you would. Sure. All right. Here we go. Tupash engamawish mila yachlo nga 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 supulano ngaloma nga 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 nga. Tupash engamawish mila yachlo nga nga nga. Beautiful. That's my post. That's my post standing rock ability to sing. There. Well, you have a beautiful voice. Uh, well, they sprayed us with stuff out there, and who knows what happened to our breathing? Exactly. The song is about a sky full of birds and they notice a coyote wandering around crying and they feel so bad that coyote is alone wandering around crying that they cry with coyote to keep him company. Beautiful. All my songs are brokenhearted love songs, except for one love, one canoe song. Uh-huh. I love it. That's how I'm able to do the language and my niece puts the the music or puts it, sets it. And I have to change that because she's trained in opera. There's no way I can breathe the way she sets it. No. I, I, it, it takes a lot of help, but people do help me in order to put the words together. What language is that in? That was in Luceno Ahashmem. Okay. Luceno Ahashmem, yeah. That would be a, a talkic language of Yudo-Aztecan, would it not? Uh, I think it is, yeah. Yes, it is. So yeah. is the Tongva. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, apparently we're some intruders who wedged in between two Hokan speaking groups. <laughs> Caused a ruckus. <laughs> oh, my word. It's really funny to talk to you, Al Frank, because I, I hear the resonance of both my, uh, my own people who have taught me over the years in the uh, discipline of archaeology, but also the other side of me as well, the uh, spiritual right. side, the religious right. side, and also the side of just enjoying your your temperament and your your personality. You're a you're quite a treasure, just a treasure. Well, I'm just I'm just a Hollywood Indian. 
You're a Hollywood Indian. I can tell. Yeah, just a are. Hollywood Indian. So and the next question, which is the million dollar question is that, is there a, an episode, an experience, uh, a person or, or event that you feel maybe inspired or changed you or gave you sort of a revelation, which helped you understand what it is to be who you are? Sure. Pretty easy to register. I mean, there's a, a lot of smaller things like that, having conversations or learning stuff before I was born. But when I got here, I had mentioned that I laid on the ground. This is, and heard my people. This is right below Iola Marymount. Now there are tennis courts right where I laid and listened. Back then there were just big open fields. But it's when I lay there, the things that I heard were not the things of this world. They were things of another time, topics of another time, values of another time. And I realized that I belonged to them and they made me understand them. I became their family and I did that. Oh gosh, I must've been about four and a half till I was maybe 17. I would go lay on that field because it remained a field for so long. Now it's just condominiums, tennis courts, like I say, which is rather appalling to me. That was one of the moments that opened up, you know, again, that moment resonated and I realized that I come from this place, you know, and I, I didn't know where I came from. As I said, my family wanted me to be Spanish and they wanted me to this and somebody else wanted me to be that. But I realized that I belong to this place. And, and then there are a lot of other things that support that, like my Raramori grandfather, who he didn't take Christianity very kindly either. <laughs> so he and I were a pair. But the next big event was when I was maybe 20, 21. A friend's brother had grown psilocybin mushrooms and said, come on, let's go to the desert and eat these psilocybin mushrooms. So I went <laughs> and I ate them. And I ate, we, since nobody had, we knew had ever eaten them, I ate, it turns out later on, eight times as much as I should have. So a great, a great number of things happened. But the thing that happened... That I mean, a great number of things. We'd need like five more podcasts. But the thing that happened that was most helpful or most scary was in the evening when I thought, okay, this ride is over. But it wasn't in the night sky, the desert sky, you know, just uh -huh. a million stars and nothing else. Um, that Twilight Zone door from the TV show came through. And I thought, oh, yeah. no. Yes. Yeah. And when it opened, instead of E equals MC, when a little doll to, to learn how to draw and all this stuff yeah. came out the faces of my ancestors oh, and they word. came right down almost pressing into me and told me you have to do this and you have to do this and you have to do this and this and this and this all the things that I've actually done or most of them wow. but I was a kid who had just you know I was kind of living on the streets under warm cars and you know had I barely graduated high school and how the hell am I going to do all that? And so I ran away from it for many years and somehow it all found me. What I find interesting about this is that I met a young man and we were doing some language stuff in Montana and some Montana Indians said to him, how do you three know each other as California Indians? And so he related mm -hmm. a dream he had. And in his dream, when he was a small child, he actually related what my ancestors came and told me and what I created. So it was this universal thing of, of happening, you know, it was a cosmic sort of reaching out to all of us. 
And, and the experience that you're telling me is certainly analogous to, as anthropologists and scientists and others have talked about, of the medicine person, medicine man, medicine woman, uh, ritualist, shaman, when they capture or when they, they experience an altered state of consciousness, they speak with the ancestors, they speak with the animal persons, the deities, the particular tutelary spirits, and sure. they, these particular beings help that individual to know more, to feel more, to sense more, and to give sure. directions and comfort and purpose to their life and to the lives of the others. And they like mocking you also. <laughs> yes. They have, they have mocked me. <laughs> to right. Where- it's like the coyote, <laughs> the trickster, yeah. right? They, they laugh yeah. at us. Yes. Well, when I, you see, I used to fly and, but before I learned how to fly, I would wake up and throw up because the, the ravens would take me way up into the sky and release me. And that would make anyone throw up. And by the time I learned how to fly, I thought I had done it all on my own and I was flying. And and I was saying to myself, the same way I injured my knee skiing, I am the best just before my knee ripped off. (laughs) I was flying and I'm saying, I'm the best. Nobody has ever flown like I've flown. And then I hear laughter, but it's not laughter with me. It's laughter at me. And I whip my head Mm -hmm. to see who has the audacity. And it's a large raven. I realize, oh, this is kind of odd. And he's talking to another raven on my other side and they're saying, oh, Oh, that worm. That's what they called me. Oh, that worm, mm-hmm. the slowest learner we've ever. And I was like, oh, <laughs> that was, was kind of crushing. But the, the upside was they said, once I learned, I learned very well. But yeah, so sometimes they, you know, they're not as nice. Like they yelled at me in the desert. They yelled. What a blessing <laughs> oh, yes. to have oh, yeah. this kind of connection, this conduit, this, what I call it, this ethereal tether that will allow right. you to know and feel and connect absolutely in a, in a way, well, a supernatural way. I yeah. guess then I should say the third time was when I consumed Datura. Yes. And that was, um, I mean, I was ready to not exist, you know, if that happened, <laughs> because it's, you know, it, it is what it is. Here I am. But what, what I saw there made me see the world as it truly is and not this construct. And it was um, not a hallucination. It was a realization. Okay. Uh, yeah. That's when I think you and I've discussed that a wall of water fell and I could see the true world yes, yes, and the true yes. colors. And I could yes. hear what I could hear. And it was not a hallucination and it wasn't, for some reason it wasn't too much, but I could hear pine needles. I was in a pine forest. I could hear pine yes. needles, how they breathed. I knew where the animals were and animals showed up on this balcony where I was. Yeah. There was a lot of understanding that I had to know more about my people, that there's nobody here left to tell me there's no book, there's no, and I just needed more and I got more. <laughs> and so, got and more. so this was almost like a supernatural connection or not a premonition, Absolutely. but some sort of, no. some sort of a revelation of life purpose and connection and direction, sort of a, a bit of inertia that uh, yeah, showed, I guess. You your, I, showed you your path. Yeah, yeah I, I, I guess. Yeah. Well, I, 
I pretty yeah. much feel like a very small pebble pebble in a very rough water is being made smaller running down towards the ocean. But yeah, because <laughs> sometimes it's pretty head on. But yet you've been able to in your life continue and manifest and work in all these various capacities oh, yeah. with the motivation to to do more and be more and to be a blessing to the indigenous people in helping them steer them into this revelation of yours again in coming back to to the sure. reality of 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 their life sure i don't know how much steering i'm doing but no you know, I do like building these, this now, this third canoe, one of our canoe members passed away unexpectedly just a few weeks ago. So we're building this canoe and in honor of him, it'll be the third Tongva Tiat in several hundred years. And so that'll bring in a whole new group of old and young and native, non-native and a whole new set of learning and, and it's this journey that we travel on together of, of I'm not doing this. It took us several hundred years with a lot of help to l- have our culture dismantled. So it's going to take us a long time with that same help in order to remember as in no longer dismembered. Yes. I like yeah. that. Remember no longer dismembered. That's pretty amazing. That's a wonderful uh, way I, of thinking I stole about that. it. Yeah. I stole half of that from you somebody like else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why well, I, I cannibal I cannibalize stuff right and left. I, I just okay. re, I just I just I just repurpose it, you know. Yeah, there we, you are. We well, take yeah. we, we take we take nouns and turn them into verbs. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. But, but but those are the moments and they've been the um the catalyst. That's why I don't feel that I am without a faith because I have my faith. It's on the it's on the rocks. You know, it's, Faith is in the, it's rocks. the water and land it's itself. It's on the rocks. Yes. Yeah. I land see it itself. there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's been left there for us. And, and I guess I have to say that some of the most uh, cutting edge anthropologists, people in cognitive neuroscience, people who are studying shamanism, people who, there's a thing called neurotheology that we talked about on this show. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm. I, I believe that, there is there is a trend within science connecting back to religion and beginning to perceive some of the things you've talked about in this show. In other words, seeing that the the world, the biosphere, the rocks, the trees, the earth oh, is in fact oh. sens- sentient. Oh, we caught up now has- finally. Well, sorry, I'm making what, all those noises because oh, yeah. Yeah, no, no. years, ago, years ha- ago I was at a conference and th- this was Louisa Moffey ahead of her time. Yes. But she invited me to this thing where there were 40 scientists who were, some of them were down there taking the, the magic and the medicine from people in jungles, you know, and, and leaving them yes. with nothing. Yes. And, and so all these people, and, and then there was me who was like, what am I doing here? But then I realized I was here to stand up for the native. But we yeah. had to we had to speak that evening. These people, God, I felt myself fighting them and fighting them all day long. And of course, they're learned and I'm not. So I was ready to go home. And then someone says, see you at the panel tonight. It's like, oh, great. So I show up and I'm on a panel with them. And at one point, 
uh, the audience was like half hostile and half like on my side. And at one point, the scientists started saying, well, L. Frank is half right. Well, L. Frank is half right. You know, and they were just coming on to DNA and things and, you know, and rocks and trees and stuff. And so it's yeah, like, yeah. and it's, it's just so aggravating. Well, the Indians are, you know, we told them for years, well, there were buffalo in Southern California. No, there were no buffalo. Well, we had a word for buffalo. Well, you don't know what you had a word for. The next day, there's a two-page spread about, oh, there were buffalo. And sound up, you know, it's like, really? We just told you there were. So, so, we, so, we, come, so, so we come full circle. <laughs> there we you come, are. We come full circle. That's the nexus. That's the, uh, the conundrum. And I think we'll, we'll leave it at that. S- oh, sure, leave me all sing wound us a close. <laughs> sing us a close. Oh, Frank, Alrighty. sing us a close, would you? Sure, it's something about the universe. All right, I only messed that up three times. <laughs> but you can hear it on Netflix probably sometime at the end of this year. <laughs> Really, it's a story well, called the, the, the Ghosts of L.A. or something, and you'll hear it. I love it. Abs- All right. Absolutely love it. See, <laughs> All you, right. see you next week, gang. Adios. Right. Thank you for listening. Choop. Thanks for listening to the Rock Art Podcast with Dr. Alan Garfinkel and Chris Webster. You can find this podcast on the educational podcast app Lyceum, L-Y-C-E-U-M, and wherever you find podcasts. Find show notes and contact information at www.arcpodnet.com forward slash rockart. Thanks for listening, and thanks for sharing this podcast with your family and friends. This show is produced and recorded by the Archaeology Podcast Network, Chris Webster and Tristan Boyle in Reno, Nevada at the Reno Collective. This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archpodnet.com. Contact us at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com. Thanks again for listening to this episode and for supporting the Archaeology Podcast Network. If you want these shows to keep going, consider becoming a member for just $7.99 US a month. That's cheaper than a venti quad eggnog latte. Go to archpodnet.com slash members for more info. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 